0: Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple, to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally, and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, boys and girls, Matt McNeil here. Lift Effect was not planning on doing a podcast today, since it's the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, it wasn't in the works. We were going to just skip this week and, and push to next week. Um, however, I woke up this morning. It's Friday morning. It's the day after Thanksgiving, and I thought, you know, there's a, there's actually something kind of cool about this idea of of thanks of giving thanks and its impact on our uh psychology on our mood on our life and i woke up and i thought you know what let me just let me see if i can't uh just jump on the microphone for a few minutes and and see if i can convey a couple things that maybe uh you'll find you'll find useful you'll find interesting so i'm gonna fly solo uh, single pilot today. Carl is not going to uh, be with us today since we weren't planning on doing this. Um, and I don't want to get in the way of him and his his uh, his holiday weekend. So I'm going to just do this on my own. Hopefully it won't suck too much. Um, but I wanted to talk about this idea of giving thanks. Giving thanks. Thanksgiving, right? It's the weekend we're supposed to be... Um, the purpose of the holiday and I'm, you know, I always thought Thanksgiving was sort of, uh, it didn't mean a whole lot to me when I was younger growing up, it just meant eating a lot of Turkey and, um, stuff in my face and, you know, pumpkin pie and watching football. Um, and you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, well, actually there's, there's a few things wrong with that, but, but it's, it's fine, right? You want to do it? Um, a weekend a year. Great. It's a good time to get together with family and, and hang out. Um, but I remember like sitting around the, the the table and then, you know, somebody would always give the toast and they would talk about what they were thankful for. Um, and while I thought that was cool, um, you know, growing up, it didn't, um, I think it was sort of lost on me in the sense that I was always like, yeah, but there's more, right. Isn't there, isn't there more you should be doing more you should be uh, striving for, and certainly in my life as a as a pilot, um, as a psychotherapist, as in, in all of the different things that I've done, um, I've always been very driven to achieve, to try to be more, to try to have more, and I still find myself. Um, very driven <laughs> to achieve, to have more, get that, get that next type rating, if you will. Um, and achievement is great, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with, uh, achieving things except the problem is if you lose your why, and we're not going to get into this today, there's a difference between how and why, um, but if you if you don't know why you're doing it you're just trying to you know get notches in your belt right and i think it's oftentimes we can become somewhat addicted to that endorphin hit of achievement but achieving without having a greater sense of fulfillment is in many respects it it becomes the ultimate failure which is why we see so many times, I'm, I'm sure some of you can relate to this. I can certainly relate to this is you, you work really hard and you, you get, you know, you, you, reach the top of that, that mountain that you're trying to climb and then you, you get there and you're like, okay, uh, where's the next one? Where's the next one? It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't work. You get that type rating, you take that upgrade, You get on with that carrier and then very quickly you find yourself going, I need more. I need more. I gotta, I gotta have more. And so we end up doing things that also, uh, that oftentimes go against our own self-interest. And when it doesn't work, you achieve those things and it doesn't work, man, that can really be pretty depressing. It can be pretty anxiety provoking. You can think what is going on? What is wrong with me? So one of the things about taking time to be thankful or express uh, what we would call gratitude is there's some benefits. Well, first of all, it pulls you out of that cycle, that never ending uh, treadmill of, of achievement. And it starts to lean you more into a sense of fulfillment. That's what taking a pause and actually experiencing a little bit of of gratefulness for um what's going on in your life the second benefit is that it or i guess a byproduct of that is it changes your psychology and it changes your mood oftentimes i would say almost all the time into a more favorable direction so let's talk about this now there's lots of data um, and there's lots of scientific, actual scientific studies on the effects of gratitude. You can do a little Google search and when we, uh, we're still kind of getting this podcast together and we're getting some help with starting to get show notes together and putting in links and references and we're getting the websites getting redone. So at some point we'll put some, some links to some of these studies, um, that you can read on, on the science of of thankfulness, the the science of gratitude. But let me just see if I can give you a little bit of perspective on this. So the question is, is okay, well, why, what does it do, right? What does having gratitude or giving thanks actually do to our, our head and to our moods? And then, and why, why does it work that way? Well, let's start with, Let's start with why first. I think why is is more interesting. It's a better question, right? The quality quality of the question gets the quality of the answer. So if you ask a low-quality question, you're going to get a low-quality answer. So I'm going to try to ask the highest quality question here is, well, why does giving thanks create positive change? Well, let's look back first a little bit about what the problem is, right? The problem... And oftentimes when, when I start to work with the client, whether I'm coaching them or I'm, I'm, I'm doing some psychotherapy, um, sometimes a hybrid of both, you know, whatever they need, I like to do a little bit of a systems approach in terms of, well, let's learn about how the system works um, so that A, we can tell ourselves an accurate picture or give ourselves an accurate picture, an accurate story about what is actually happening, um, and then B, because we understand what's happening, right, we can start to figure out mitigation strategies and how to change, create change, or how to, you know, quote unquote, fix um, the the issue that's going on. And what we're really talking about is the way that our brain works, the way that our mind works. There's a, you know, lots of differences between mind and brain. That's not for today but undoubtedly we'll we'll probably start to talk about some of that but your brain the organ between your two ears is um it's the supercomputer it's the most dynamic complicated amazing ecosystem and machine in the universe you have more neurons in your head than there are stars in the galaxy and we're just learning like the tip of the spear about the brain and how it works and, and how amazing it is. One of the things that we know about the human brain is that we have this part of our brain that sits on the front, uh, you know, where your forehead is, if you will, And it's called your prefrontal cortex. I'm sure you've lots of you' have heard of that. Your prefrontal cortex. And it is the most amazing and uh, latest iteration of our brain. The brain is adapted. It started out really small, and as over time, there's all this new hardware was put on there. Think about like a like the flight deck of an airplane. As, you, as the technology increases, you get more fancy computers and more more um, different types of instrumentation that allow airplanes and allow us pilots to do pretty amazing things with them. So the prefrontal cortex is responsible for the highest level of functions that we have as human beings that our brain is capable of, 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 uh, of doing right. So you think it, it, it allows us to do complex spatial rotation problems. It allows us to plan. It allows us to have language that is far superior to any other species. I mean, our our language is just incredible when you compare it to um, any other species. We have the most complex set of language skills um, that that's just it, it, that creates language allows us to live the existence that we do, right? The way in which we can conceptualize things and we can think about things has allowed us to evolve as a as a society in ways that that other animals can't do, right? Apes can't uh, go fly airplanes. They can't design large buildings. They can't build microchips, but human beings can. And it's because of the power of the, the, the mind, the power of what our brain allows us to do in a big... Part of that, a big component of that is the way in which we have language to create relationships between things and to be able to think around and describe things and conceptualize things. So this prefrontal cortex, if I haven't sold you on it, it's amazing. It's considerate like the flight management system, the FMS of an airplane, right? Which I personally think is the most amazing part of a plane. Um, it's the brain. And so that's what the FMS does. And that's what the prefrontal cortex does there's one little issue that we have with this prefrontal cortex and the issue is is it has not evolved very quickly evolution human evolution is incredibly slow it's really really slow and the prefrontal cortex is is a our iteration of it is pretty old it's like two million years old it hasn't really had a lot of evolution in the last 2 million years. It's like 1.8 million years. I don't remember all the exact data on on how this this part of our brain has evolved, But, but let's think about this now, okay? So if the prefrontal cortex hasn't evolved much in 2 million years, it means that a baby born 2 million years ago and a baby born today is going to be basically identical. They're going to look the same. They're going to act the same. They're going to, you know, coo the same and poop the same and pee the same and walk the same. And they're they're identical. If you put a baby born today and a baby born 2 million years ago, you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference between the two. They look exactly the same, act the same. That's kind of incredible. If you think about and now our brains are evolved for the environment with which we live in. That's how evolution works. We create evolutionary change based on the environment that allows us the greatest chance of survival. And so our brain is designed for a world that's about 2 million years ago. And so if you think about how we were living 2 million years ago, um, well, an old woman an old man was like 16 or 17 most people died in childbirth and if you made it through childhood which was rare um because something was going to get you right it there's just a few of us that made it to old age of 17 16 17 18 there weren't any 47 year old mats um just didn't didn't exist and the reason for that is because well we were living like you know living in caves every time you leave your cave a tiger is trying to eat you (laughs) if it snows on your on your crops you're going to starve to death if you get sick you're gone you're dead and so our brain was designed for that environment and when you're in that kind of environment Everything is a threat. Everything. And that's the brain that we have today. Which is why we can see everything as a threat. <laughs> well, I, I achieved my goal here, but you know it's not, not really good enough. I think I need more. I think I have to be more. I, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I got to have more, 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 more. That is not just because, you know, we're a bunch of ungrateful, um, unsatiated, you know, gluttonous beasts, right? It's not because of, you know, original sin or all all the reasons that we can shame ourselves into feeling like we're not enough. Now, things like um, you know, Facebook and Instagram and and all these ways in which we can create these presentations of how wonderful we are, that has absolutely exacerbated the um, the underlying tendency for us to feel like we're not enough. And when you think about young kids and teenagers, as their brain is developing and it's quite vulnerable, those messages of "you suck," you you're not beautiful enough, you're not fit enough, you're not rich enough, you're not cool enough, you haven't traveled enough, you are not enough, that gets integrated in a pretty serious way, which is, I think, certainly a contributing factor into why the rates of depression among, um, you know, young kids is like astronomically high, astronomically high mental health issues, not just depression, anxiety, eating disorders, obsessive compulsive disorders substance use disorders right and it certainly is for adults as well it's it's a problem all ages i think facebook users now the same the, the largest users are are baby boomers which is like so what's that doing to them um okay back on track i don't have carl here so you, you guys are going to have to keep me on track here um so the the point is is that our brain is developed to see threats around every corner because that's the environment that we lived in two million years ago. That's what we're developed for, that we have an FMS that is amazing with what it does, but it's got really old databases in there. It's going to it's gonna land you in Stapleton Airport and take you into a bunch of houses because it thinks there's a runway there when, when it's not. That's what we got. And so our brain is set up to be... Basically to, to have you die pretty quickly, which is why we will see threats around every corner. And I think why gratefulness or gratitude gets bypassed. Because we're like, yeah, 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 that that that's fine, but where's the threat? Right. Okay, I achieved this, but why is this not enough? Um I've 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 arrived, but I need to get I need to get going. The lack of gratitude we have is because that's actually what we're designed for. But the problem is we don't live in caves and there aren't actually tigers around every corner that are trying to turn you into a tiger snack. But we, we, we don't see that because we're, we're not adapted for that. But what we can do, one of the things that our brain allows us to do or this amazing brain that we have is we can learn. And we can start to get some perspective to be able to create some change. So one of the things that's been discovered about intentionally experiencing gratitude, taking a minute and saying, wow, I'm, I'm really grateful for, uh, let's see, I'm grateful for this cup of coffee that's in my hand right now. It's pretty good. Um, or I'm grateful to gather around this table with my family and with my friends is it does a couple of things one is it reorients you to the context that you're actually in right maybe you're not actually being hunted by a tiger right now maybe you're sitting with your family watching the football game maybe you're sitting with your friends and having dinner you're not actually being eaten by a tiger, right? So there's there's a, a reorientation that happens with, with the concept of being thankful. But what a, a bigger, more important piece of what that does is, is it shuts down a couple of things that are really, really damaging to us. And if you think about the human emotions, right? We, we can experience this whole rainbow of emotion, uh, which is happiness and sadness and fear and anger and, and um, you know, being excited or be anticipating, right? And, and, and maybe it's worry and I mean, it's this whole spectrum of emotions. But there's two particular emotions that we experience that end up knocking us off track the, the, the fastest. And they end up creating a lot of damage in our lives psychologically, socially, physically, physiologically. And those two emotions that that screw us up as individuals, as communities, as a, a species are fear and anger. Fear and anger. And if you th- I mean if you think about fear and anger, right, what does it do? Like on a on a large level I mean, countries go to war over those two emotions, always. It's always fear and it's always anger. And in our own lives, right, we can go to war in our own lives over those two emotions as well. The problem with fear and anger is now. Some of you might be thinking, "Yeah, but you need you need that. You need to be fearful. You need to be you, you need to you know have anger at times." I agree. I think that there's no emotions that you're not you shouldn't be having, but when they're overused and they're used inappropriately, they become problematic. And the problem with fear, the problem with anger, is that our perspective narrows. So when you think about, let's say a tiger is actually trying to eat you, you have three things that you can do. First, you can freeze. And there's a couple things that the freeze response does one is if you freeze the tiger might not see you (laughs) it's like oh there's no movement there i'm going to move on right second is the tiger might see you but think you're dead and if you look at animals in the wild there's some pretty cool videos you can see of, of like rabbits being chased around by a fox and the the rabbit will eventually just flop over. Just it's like plays weasel, right? Just it just boom. It's like it died right there. And what happens sometimes is the fox will kind of go and sort of push it around with its nose and sniff it a little bit. And the fox will be like, oh I don't want to do this. I don't want to eat this. It's dead. Because it's not adaptive for a fox to eat something that's already dead because the fox instinctively knows, well, I don't know what killed this thing, right? Maybe it got poisoned. So it's probably not an adaptive thing for me to eat it because fox like to kill their food. That's how most animals in the wild, they want to catch it live and kill it because they know well it was alive, it's probably pretty safe to eat. If it's dead, meh, maybe not so safe. So freeze allows us to survive. It's, it's almost like... um the physiological response of shock shock is is uh it, it is there to try to protect you if you're getting get you know in a car accident or something but the problem is is it'll kill you because it shuts everything down in this effort to try to preserve your body but it, the byproduct of it is that there's no blood flow and it creates all these issues and you die right so freeze can be adaptive but it can also get you killed and let's even think about in our working environments and all of us have probably flown with those those uh those pilots and if you're an instructor you definitely see it is when somebody's getting really overloaded and all of a sudden like something happens and they're just sitting there and they can't it's like they they can't reach and pull the flaps down they can't get the gear down they stop listening everything narrows that's because they're overloaded and oftentimes there's fear so that's one problem with fear is we narrow our attention narrows our abilities narrow because of this freeze response the second option we have to get away from the tiger is to fight right okay i'm going to neutralize this thing and so what happens is when we need to fight something the brain starts to shoot massive amounts of adrenaline to your muscles, to your body, because you need to have that strength to be able to uh, fight a tiger. Probably not going to end very well, but let's just go with it. So anger often is driven by this need to fight, which is driven by fear. It's adaptive. Okay, I'm going to take this thing down. I'm going to get pissed and I'm going to go for it because i'm afraid this thing's going to kill me if i don't. And so that's a, a that's adaptive. You need if you got to fight this thing off, you got to fight this thing off. If the car, you know, falls on top of somebody, you got to get that crazy strength that you hear about and lift the car up off the kid. The problem with adrenaline in all of us, uh i don't care if you're an attorney or if you're a physician or if you're Uh, a pilot, or you're a police officer, a first responder, it doesn't matter. Hell, even an accountant. I mean, when things get scary, you're going to get a ton of adrenaline. And that adrenaline is going to get you through it. But the byproduct of it is afterwards, it makes you feel really sick. Which is why we have things like critical incident response, where if something happens, We want to get you talking about it as soon as, you know, as quickly afterwards as possible because all of that adrenaline is going to make you feel pretty sick. And we instruct you to drink lots of water and try to take care of yourself and talking will actually help you start to de-escalate and turn some of that adrenaline off, right? That's, That's the reason why we have those things. So the point is the byproduct of adrenaline is that it makes you feel pretty awful afterwards um so that's the second response we can fight the third response and often the most adaptive response is run just get out of there get away from the tiger your your best bet uh is to run just get out of there if possible that's your best bet um second bet is just hide right don't let them see you and then if you have to you third third best option is to is to try to fight to neutralize the the threat. These three responses we have to threats, which is freeze, which is to fight, or to run. And run is a a great way to get away from the threat. Um, The problem is, is that if we overuse it, that then becomes called avoidance. And so avoidance, there's a behavioristic principle that says that avoidance of a noxious stimulus, and noxious just means annoying or scary or non-adaptive, something that's threatening, but the avoidance of that over time only makes the avoidance response worse, right? Which is why oftentimes we see uh, even pilots that develop fear of flying is they had a bad experience and then they go, I'm going to stay away from that, right? And then staying away from it now, it creates this whole uh, avoidance response that just gets worse worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, but you know what if a tiger's trying to eat you you got to get away from it seems like a pretty good idea so those three responses are all we got when we encounter a threat and the problem is is that when we are in those states of freeze fight or run our attention narrows Our perspective narrows because we don't need to be able to take in all the information around us, right? We just got to be able to figure out how to get away. And so in a real threat, that's adaptive, meaning that's a good thing. But as you know, we're not living in a world where tigers are trying to eat us all the time. Uh, And because we've got this really amazing supercomputer that likes to take things and 100x them, it's the tendency of what we do. It creates these this false perception of threat. I see a picture of somebody that's achieved more on Instagram, and I go, oh shit, I'm not enough. That becomes a tiger. So one of the things that th- giving thanks or having gratitude does is it shuts that mechanism off. You can't be grateful for something and be fearful at the same time the brain's not really capable of holding those two emotions those two orientations at the same time so it shuts down having some gratitude or some thankfulness shuts down the fear response anger let's talk about anger for a second (laughs) um as men in our society, we are acculturated to have the emotion of anger as a, I would say in many respects, a very celebrated emotion, right? We're, we're encouraged um, as men to express two types of emotions, right? Happiness and anger, that's it. Um, and women in our society are acculturated to not express anger. This does a lot of damage to all of us, right? As guys, um, I work with guys all the time and oftentimes the idea of emotion comes up and, and I'll ask the question, well, well, how are you feeling? And it will either be good or I'm, I'm pissed, right? I'm angry. But anything outside of those two emotions the most common response is i don't know i i don't know how i'm feeling because we actually part of it is we 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 don't know because we have been encouraged to not express or feel emotions outside of happiness or anger and second is we, we just don't have the language for it, right? We don't, we may know we're feeling something that maybe is sadness or maybe is ambivalence or maybe is vulnerability, but we don't actually have the language to even be able to speak about that. Women, it's different. And so women, they oftentimes can express all these other emotions, right? But when it comes to anger, it's very difficult for them to be able to to have the language around expressing that because it doesn't feel safe to do that. It doesn't feel like it's accepted to do that because it's not. And this creates a bunch of, a bunch of issues as well. So, uh, not to go down too many rabbit holes. Okay. Back on track, Matt, back on track. So the idea of expressing gratitude or being thankful is, has some great utility. It shuts down the fear response. And it can shut down the anger response. You can't be grateful, have gratitude, and be angry at the same time. It's an antidote to these two very destructive emotions of fear and anger. And that's the point, is that having gratitude shuts those emotions down, which then opens up our periphery. Because again, when we look for the tiger, right, everything narrows, our vision narrows. Uh, We stop listening, so you could hear a pin drop. All of your blood leaves your organs; it goes out to your your extremities, so you can you can freeze, run, or or fight. And it's actually quite unhealthy. It's fine if there's a, a there's an actual threat. You got to be able to, to 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 use those those three responses adaptively to to keep yourself safe. But the reality is, guys, gals, we don't live in a world where tigers are trying to eat us all the time. But we act like it. We act like it all the time, and part of the reason we i think have to have these holidays of actually expressing gratitude is because it's so difficult to be able to do that it's difficult to be able to do that on a regular basis but the benefits of being able to do that are huge they're massive so what can you do besides gathering around the table once a year um, to express some gratitude. Well, one of the things that I try to do, and I'm not as consistent as I would like to be, um, I go through waves of being really consistent and then waves of not, um, is I try to write down three things a day that I'm grateful for. And I make sure that they're not big things. Yes, I'm grateful for my daughter and I'm grateful for you know, the, the job that I have and and I'm grateful for my family. Those are really big things and it's important to acknowledge those things. But i try also to put two really small things that are in the moment and we'll talk about the importance of in the moment on on another another episode of this so for example this morning i just wrote down and i have a little little journal i keep by by my bed and i wrote down um i am grateful for clean sheets that my wife put on the bed yesterday um because that's kind of nice. Who doesn't like clean sheets? Smells good. They feel good. Nice and crisp. You know, fresh out of the dryer. Grateful for that. I'm grateful for this cup of coffee that I have, right? Tastes pretty good. These are small things. But what it does is it triggers this mechanism of shutting off fear and shutting off anger. Lessening those in that moment. It primes you. And I think it also primes you to not be looking for tigers around every corner because there aren't any. So hopefully that will give you a little bit of utility around why it's maybe a good thing to have some thanks on this holiday. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. If you have any questions, podcast at lift effect l-i-f-t-a-f-f-e-c-t dot com don't worry we won't mention your name it's all anonymous you can send in your questions we did get some questions last week i'm not going to address them today because i want you to get back to your holiday and i want to get back to mine but uh we'll we'll talk about them next week so thanks for your time today hopefully it was useful hopefully you maybe will be able to approach uh this weekend and the idea of giving thanks with a little bit more directed application to it. And hopefully that will make some sense and encourage you to express a little bit more thankfulness in your life. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you wanna dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect Podcast.